such a great story, reminding us that even amidst the distance that we feel that God is still working in community. Now, I also know it's possible that the distance we feel could also create a sense of distance between us and God. Maybe you find yourself asking the question, do you see me, God? Do you hear my cry, God? Are you still with me, God? Maybe you've had that thought, God, do I matter? Does my life matter? Do my decisions matter? Do my hopes and dreams matter to you? Because it seems like those are the things that are constantly getting crushed. It's those feelings that make us lose hope. They make us lose clarity. They make us lose peace. And so I would begin today by just acknowledging that all of us have felt like that. You, you've felt it, I've felt it. Those are real feelings today. But the more important question then is, what would God say to us? Because today, God wants to breathe life into us once again. There is a wisdom that God wants to impart. There is direction that God wants to reveal to us if we would just stop and listen, which starts with this truth. The things that matter to you matter to God because you matter to God. I can relate to this as a parent in raising my two boys. I had to, throughout the years, develop an interest in some things that I wouldn't necessarily normally be drawn to. But as a dad, you just have to kind of get involved in that stuff. So I, I got to be well-versed in Smash Brothers characters, and I got to learn about littlest pet shop toys. And, and of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was important, and they are amazing, by the way, love them. And then I had to learn the music of Justin Bieber and the clothing of Yeezy, and I had to learn the artwork of Pixar. Why? Well, because my kids matter to me, so what matters to them matters to me. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father, that your worries and your fears and your loves and your passions, they matter to God. From the reason you butter your toast all the way to the edges to the fact that your favorite piece of popcorn is the ones that look like little brains, down to the very hairs on your head, having a number, as Jesus tells us. This is how much you matter to God. And so what matters to you matters to God. You matter. You matter on a cosmic scale that the one who spoke the universe into reality would then split the heavenlies and embody flesh and bone to give his life for you. Oh yes, friend, you matter. And that is the note of encouragement that our straight shooting friend James writes in this last section of his letter. It's really the cry of a pastor that I, like so many of us, connect to personally in this time, that these are, yes, the things that we truly feel, yet God wants to remind us of what truly is. And the first thing he shares is something that we all need to hear today, and it's this. Your circumstance matters to God. James 5 Verse 13 to 16, in fact, let's read this together right where you are. Big voices, 
Go, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The first thing that stands out to me here is how varied the experiences are of the people that James is writing to. Some are in trouble, some are happy, some are sick. See, if there's one thing that I've noticed as a pastor, especially in this time, is that everyone out there is in a different place. Some are troubled, some are sick, some are happy. No one's going through the same thing. No one feels the same way. The variance in experience is just vast right now. Some folks around want the shutdowns to happen. Some people don't want shutdowns to happen. Some people are pro-mask. Some people are anti-mask. Some people are trying hard to not do anything different in their lives. Some are being so very careful and their lifestyle has changed dramatically. Some people are politically engaged and vocal. Some are politically quiet and reserved. Some are in trouble. Some are sick. Some are happy. All of those things are happening at the same time, not only throughout the world, but in this body known as God's church. Here's an example of what I mean. If you've ever gone to a daycare, you would see this exact thing play out right in front of you. It's the same room, it's the same teachers, the same lessons, the same curriculum, but so many different experiences going on with those kids, right? You got the one kid, she's having the time of her life as she bounces on that little trampoline. You got another kid who's just enraptured watching Paw Patrol on the TV. But then you look over here and this kid's having a full on meltdown because they asked him to put on his socks. And then there's another kid who's using that as a diversion so he can go over here and eat the glue. That's what happens in those environments. The same inputs, the same world, very different results. That is a picture of our time. And what's interesting, and I think at times difficult, is that when you care about people, like Pastor James does in this passage, like, like I do, like anyone does who carries the wiring of a shepherd, is that you're concerned with every single life and you feel something of what every person is going through whether it's the joy of the little girl on the trampoline or the tragedy of the socks, you feel it all. And no two people or two circumstances are the same. And you feel that. Yet James reminds us of this good news that God cares about every circumstance, which means God cares about your circumstance. He writes, maybe you're in trouble, so pray. Now this to me seems like the obvious one. In fact, for some of us, this is really the foundation of our prayer life, isn't it? It's crisis. God, I'm in trouble, help. 
and God helps. God, I'm in trouble again, if you could help. God, I'm in trouble, help me please, help me so much. That is the foundation of many of our prayer lives and God helps because he's a God of mercy. God meets us there. And so we see here that crisis prayers, they're okay. But here's the balance. Our prayer life will certainly include crisis prayers, but our prayer life must not be made up of only crisis prayers. James acknowledges the crisis, you're in trouble, pray. But it doesn't end there. He says if you're sick, you should call on the elders. See, we forget that in this world of amazing expertise of doctors and epidemiologists and nurses, we forget that we still have the great physician to call on. So yes, go to your family doctor and go to your nurse practitioner, but don't forget to go to your heavenly father, to go to elders, people of deep faith, and ask them, would you pray and would you believe God with me for miracles because Jesus still heals? I've heard several stories recently of miraculous healings. I've heard stories of people that were really, really sick with COVID and they tested positive for COVID and people prayed and not only did they stop feeling sick immediately, but they tested and they were negative after that. God healed them. Stories of people's miraculous recovery from surgery, stories of, of incredible wholeness in people's bodies after events that should have damaged them permanently. God is doing miracles. So what do we get to do? We pray. And here's sandwiched right between all of that. James says, if you're happy, sing songs of praise. What he's telling us is even in the midst of that, still go to God. Now, I don't know about you, I think I find this to be the toughest one, especially right now. It just seems, it just bugs me that someone's going to be happy right now. I mean, how dare you be happy right now? What world are you living in? Don't you know what's going on around you? And, and but maybe when I think about it, we might need a little more of that. See, I think often perennially happy people are seen as maybe shallow or inauthentic. But James is reminding us that we can be happy and we can be encouraged and we can be excited and we can even be joyful because that joy has its origins in Jesus. And we need it. <laughs> but the outcome is still the same, that even in our happiness, we would go to God. So you get the sense of how broad the experiences are of, of all that the people are walking through, yet there is this one common denominator. Whatever you are walking through today, that should be the fuel that drives you to God. Whether you're troubled or sick or filled with joy, let all of that bring you to Jesus. This is the point, my friends, the point of all that we are walking through, that everything we're walking through should bring us closer to Christ, closer to Jesus. It should drive us to God. And until it does that, we have missed the lesson. All of this is an invitation to humble ourselves before God 
to admit where we've been lost, where we've held on to our ways and our rights and our understanding, and where we haven't responded how we were supposed to respond, as Second Chronicles tells us, it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The question is, will we do that? Will we humble ourselves today, in this moment? We see that our circumstance matters to God, but will God matter to us in our circumstance? Where we finally say, that's it, God, I'm yours. I've got nothing else. I've got no more great ideas. I've got no more great plans. I just need you. Will we get there? And if we could get there amidst all the things that are plaguing us, we would once again hear God say, I have not left you. I have not lost you. I have not abandoned you. No, I have loved you. I have redeemed you. And I will lead you home. Because your circumstance matters to God. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Your prayers matter to God. Let's continue the book of James 5, 17 to 18. Big voices go. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. James gives us a very interesting and unique perspective, really, that only he could have. Remember, this is a guy who grew up with Jesus as his brother, okay? So whenever someone was going to mention their spiritual pedigree, it really didn't impress James very much. You know, someone could come up to him, hey, I'm a prophet. Oh, you're a prophet. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. My brother's the Messiah. Yeah. We had bunk beds. So top that, right? So, you know, it's hard to impress the guy. So he says to these folks, you know Elijah, right? And everyone's like, yes, of course we know Elijah, man. That's the super prophet. He, he fought the false teachers and he won. He had the miracles and the healings. He was fed by ravens. He was taken away in a flaming chariot. We all know Elijah. That guy was amazing. He's like a total celebrity. And James is like, yeah, he's just a guy like us. Don't be too impressed. <laughs> Don't think he's so special. And yet, he did do one thing. He prayed, and his prayers mattered. So in one sentence, James establishes this truth. Everyone can pray, and everyone's prayers matter, which means your prayers matter. This is powerful truth, that even with a nature like ours, which Elijah shared, 
He still prayed that the rain would stop, and it stopped. It didn't rain for three years. Now, I know many of us in Eugene who would love to pray that kind of prayer, right? But then he prayed for the rain to start, and just like a faucet, out came the water. Big requests, miraculous results, not because Elijah was amazing, but because God is amazing. This is what James is pointing out. It's not that Elijah was special, that he was somehow closer to divine, that he was sinless. No, he was just like us. But God invites people just like us to pray just like Elijah because of this. It's not about the strength of our prayer. It's about the strength of our God. In fact, for me, I still see in my life some of the most crazy answers to the most difficult prayers came when I was just beginning to walk with Jesus. I was just like a baby in Jesus. I knew nothing of, of church life, any of that. I just knew Jesus loved me. And that's where I began to pray these prayers. I guess you would call them the, the prayers of childlike faith, but they were prayers to, to see my parents come to faith in Jesus and prayers to see my friends turn the direction they're going and move towards God and prayers for God to show me a purpose and what I was made for. And guess what? God did it all. Not because I was so great, but because he is so great. And that will always be true. James is bringing us something that is road sign simple. God's people pray. And if I could invite you to one thing today, it would be that. In all that we're struggling through, will we pray? As a culture, we are so quick to talk about our troubles, to talk amidst our troubles, but God's people are called to pray amidst their troubles, to pray amidst our sickness, to even pray and praise amidst our joy, because our world would be a very different place if it was filled with more of our prayers than it is of our opinions. Could that be? what we're supposed to learn in this time. And yet, some of us are, are so bound up when it comes to prayer, it's like we've stopped praying altogether. Maybe we're bound up in trying to understand prayer, like, like what about God's sovereignty? Like, why even pray if God's gonna do what he wants to do anyway? What's the point of praying? Or, or maybe, what if my prayer helps me, but it hurts somebody else, so what do I do about that? Or what if my prayer is, is limited in its scope, and so it doesn't accomplish the goal? I shouldn't pray that then. And so, can we just decide today that there will always be questions about how prayer works, but none of those questions should keep us from praying. It's just like with our kids, we can sort through all of their requests, even those that are maybe kind of crazy. I remember when Isaac was in his early teens and he thought about asking for a tattoo gun for Christmas. And you know, at first we considered it, but then we kind of went a different way. You know, that might not be the best thing. Let's go with art supplies instead. But we didn't fault him for asking. No, that was cool. We just added just a little bit of our wisdom. And eventually he was like, you know, that was a good call. That made sense. 
This is what God does with our prayers. God simply asks us to come to him with our best and we get to trust him to bring about his best. That's prayer. Because your prayers matter to God. So pray. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Your actions matter to God. James 5, 19 and 20, let's read it. Big voices go. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Again, we see here, people are the concern and James is reminding us that we share in the protection and in the care of one another. It's like, if you can remember being at events where a lot of people gathered together, maybe you heard an announcement over the PA loudspeaker that went something like, uh, folks, uh, we've got some folks here, they have lost their child in the crowd, the, the child is lost out there and we're looking for this child. And so if you can be aware of who's around you and be looking, that would be great. And in those moments, we all feel that panic, don't we? That sense of, oh, we, we gotta help, we gotta do something about this because we know that pain, we know that uncertainty, we don't want anything bad to happen happen. I mean, I can still remember as a little kid reaching up in the store to grab my mom's hand and realizing that that's not my mom and that her hand was never that hairy. And it was like, whoa, that's, that's not her. And I can remember that panic and I can remember needing help. James is saying that same sense of urgency applies when the people in our lives wander from Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand me. This doesn't mean that we are the ones that save people. We're not. And we certainly cannot make people's choices for them. But people must know that we care enough to reach out. And James is saying that this is not just pastors' responsibilities or counselors' responsibilities or social workers' responsibilities or first responders' responsibilities. No, this is the responsibility of everyone who is close enough to hear God's call. God's PA announcement that comes over the speakers, this person is lost, will you help them? And it's there that we see this truth. If we are willing to offer our small efforts of help, then God can meet us with his great efforts of rescue. This is part of loving people. So we must be willing then to ask these questions. First, have I wandered? That's an important question to ask. I encourage you to ask that of yourselves. Second, who do I know who has wandered? Third, how can I come alongside the wanderer? This is what James is asking of us. It reminds me of the motto of so much of the military that it's been to leave no one behind. In the church, we must adopt that as well that we would leave no one behind, that we would care enough to reach out. Why? Because our actions matter. They matter to God. That's the last thing. And so I will wrap up with this. 
In these days, we get to constantly fight against this pull of apathy and the sense that all the problems of this world are just too big for me, so why even try? The answer, we try because what we do matters. It matters for eternity. Our circumstance matters. Our prayers matter and our actions matter. All of these things matter because we matter. So as we wrap up our series, I would present to you a spoken word written as an example of what James might say to us today. Words that speak to our circumstance and words that remind us to trust the one not limited by our circumstance. Words that help us decide to get up, to dust ourselves off, and to try again. Because your response matters to God. And more than that, you matter to God.